Welcome to Deeper Dive. I'm your host, Jay Wald, and this is episode 26. And I'm also with the world's greatest co-host. Welcome, Don. Hey, how are you, Joe? How was your week? Um, hey, you know, it was a great week. You know, it was uh, productive, but also it was sad, too. I know. I know, because you're yeah. down in that area. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just something. It's, it's really something. But we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later, I guess, in our podcast. Right. But I want to thank uh, Blessings for you and your family. I hope you had a good week as well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, guess who we have today? I have a nickname for this guy, by the way. But you I have a nickname go. already? Yeah, man. Yeah. I got to, man. This is part of my protocol. <laughs> okay, so what's so, your nickname for him now? <laughs> well, let's, let's go introduce him first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they go like, wait a minute, that's the nickname before his real name. Okay. Right. Go ahead, we, we, we want to welcome Pastor Gervon Mosh. Welcome back, my brother. My pleasure, my pleasure. How are you both doing? Doing well, doing well. And Wonderful. now he got the nickname. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in hearing that one. Pastor Baritone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a good one. That's a good one. That's and that's that. <laughs> Because remember, Don, when he first came on, Don, I was yes, like, I, I, feel like, I feel like a little, gives you I feel the like that commercial. Right? It's like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we want to welcome, we want to welcome you back once again. Um, we want to thank all our podcast uh, for just taking the time out to listen to us today. Uh, for we had a powerful message yesterday, and we want to thank you um, for just just subscribing and just listening. So continue the blessings to the to whoever's listening. We want to thank you for the questions, comments, whatever you might have for us. And also, you can send them to 954-388-8780 via WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. And of course, Don, it's your turn to pray. It's my turn to pray? Okay. Yes. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity just to go through your word. We thank you for the powerful sermon that we were able to hear. And we ask that as we go through it, that you'll bring to our mind the things that need to come out so we can all be blessed and all have a glimpse of you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, before we get started, I want to give you a little recognition. How, um, I didn't get a really chance to get with Don, but I, I think Don can agree with me on this. Uh, we want to recognize, thank you very much for recognizing Pastor McCoy and Pastor Jen yesterday. Yes. yes. They've been doing pleasure, a phenomenal, phenomenal job, and I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, really, that really means a lot to them and, and our church family. Awesome. Uh, the awesome. baby dedication with Kevon, that was great. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. also the four souls that um, decided to give their lives. Amen. 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 So we definitely got to put them out there. And it was wonderful to serve because I'm one of the deacons. And it's just wonderful. You see them come back with that glow. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just, you know, when they keep that bigger and uh, the church family to keep them going. So. Now we head on into the, the topic. You have it calling following Jesus. Following Jesus. Yes. Mm. So let's go right into it. Okay, here you go. Luke chapter five. Um, you got the multitude pressing Jesus um, to hear the word. Um, of course, it got too much to the point where he had to go into Simon Peter's boat. Um, mm. Kind of like, it's kind of funny because everywhere it seems like Jesus goes, it's a pulpit. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> So he had to go in the boat. But uh, one question, the, the lake you mentioned, I thought that was the Sea of Galilee. Uh, yeah, I get it's referred to sometime as the Lake of Genesaret. Yeah, but it uh, is. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I just wanted to get that 
straight now. I was like, wait a minute, I thought it was the Sea of Galilee. Um, so now this time, I think he's finished uh, speaking, and then he goes and tells Peter, which is so funny, that goes into your sermon, how you're saying you don't like it when someone's telling you. And now, that was and now, so interesting. Yeah, telling you how to do that. He's finished doing this great speech, I mean, preaching, and then he they go out. He was in the boat with them. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes out and throws this, cast this net, told him with the cuffs on the other side. And here's Peter, a seasoned businessman, saying, hey, look, we've been doing this all night. You know, I'm tired. What's going on? And I, I mean, what do you think? What, what, what does that say, my brother? <laughs> what does that say? Well, it's, it's as, I, as I mentioned in the sermon, it's one of those things that you find interesting because um, as a professional, and I've seen it many times. I've been to the doctor and I hear people trying to tell the doctor how to diagnose them or how <laughs> to treat them or anything like that. And I've seen doctors literally get upset and like, um, let me remind you who is the doctor here, okay? You're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not. In other words, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm doing. I've been trained in this regard. I'm experienced in this regard. And I've been to the Sea of Galilee and it's, it's, it's this huge lake um, it's very rocky on the shorelines. It's not, you know, any beautiful white sand beach or anything like that. And so it's it's relatively clear water, especially in the day. So the idea is night, as I mentioned, is the best time to fish there. Why yeah. would you tell anybody to go out there and fish in the day? Um, so, of course, if I were Peter, I would protest. I, I think if I were Peter, I wouldn't even go out there. I'd like, Jesus, stick to preaching, you know, let me, you know. <laughs> yeah do what i'm doing um but hey i guess peter was wise enough to obey wise enough to obey and i think that's where we have to um model peter's behavior because let's face it in the business place of our lives who knows it best than we do you know yeah um, we know what we want we know what we're about we know how we want to get it done and all of these things but then comes jesus and just rains on our parade and say, all right, um, no, you didn't do business good so far. So go do it again. And um, mm. there is always a blessing in obedience. Sometimes we mm. may not see it immediately because mm -hmm. you wonder, is Peter? And, 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 and the reality is Peter said, did it to amuse Jesus. Yeah. Um, Peter, I'm thinking, may have been like, all right, let's wait and see what's going to happen because you're going to see that. Night is the best time to fish. Right. Nothing yeah. is going to come out of this. Prove me wrong. Yeah. 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 And um, he obeyed and look what happens. Mm. I mean, <laughs> nets break, ships sink. Yeah. Come on, man. And Blessings are others. flowing yeah. and overflowing. Mm. So where our lives are concerned, we must always, and I mentioned it in the sermon, we might be experts but there is always someone who is better than the expert, no matter who you yeah. are. Yes. And in our case, Jesus is that person. He ought to be master of our lives. And I think this is true for us at any stage of our existence. Um, I used to do air conditioning in, um, when, I, when we lived in um, New Jersey. And um, I was this young and on the job thinking I know what I'm about and all of that. And one day the boss, <laughs> I said, all right, so you know what you're about. And we went to this job and he's like, all right, go ahead, deal with the electrical here. And he stood and he was watching me and I was about to connect two wires, which would have burned down the house 
and electrocuted me. <laughs> and as I was about to do it, he slapped my hand. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean what I'm doing? And I mean, he's like, see, that's my point. Because you think you know what you're about. And you're just supposed to cost us a lawsuit and possibly mm-hmm. you'll be dead. <laughs> wow. But of course, I you couldn't tell me that I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> because, yeah, I'm going to prove you that I know what I was doing. And um, fortunately, he was wise enough to stand and watch just to prove the point that, listen, nah, you, you really don't know what you're doing. And sometimes where our lives are concerned, I dare I say most times, that is a reality, especially in the Christian experience. We think we know what we're about, but then we find out, you know what? It is always, and that's why the Bible is very clear. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your Amen. ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. We're not Amen. called to be experts of our lives. We're called to submit to the master. And once we do that, like Peter, in our obedience, we're going to experience blessings. Amen, brother. So you were talking a little bit about um, the church that we have now, our congregation, and you were talking about spectators in church, mm-hmm. critics in church, and how the pastors have to go on a Sabbath morning like to rally the troops. Why do you think now or even pre-pandemic that pastors have to do that? And we still have oh. a small portion of people that is still doing all the work. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent question. And it's something I've grappled with since I've been in ministry. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Before I got married, I, I started pastoring in 2003. And I didn't get married until 2015. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, what a gap. <laughs> what a gap. <laughs> so I was pastoring for quite a number of years before I got married. And you know what? One member looked at me and told me once, one elder, he's like, listen, man. Don't get married. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're doing such a good job, man. And 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 if you go get married, all of that is going to change. I'm like, really? No. <laughs> so I'm supposed to stay single to satisfy. You know what? That opened my eyes because then I realized I was doing way too much. Mm. Um, while members were just sitting on as spectators and just not involved in church life, except as mere spectators. We Mm -hmm. had that issue prior to the pandemic. And I think, and I might be wrong, that we're going to see that increase in the sense that many people are very comfortable just staying at home and watching a program or basically it's surfing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, listen, I love Plantation Church daily, but I'm sure your members don't all just stay on Plantation's YouTube. They're jumping from one to the next to the next and so forth. Exactly. Binging, (laughs) as it were, on the different channels and all of that. But mm-hmm. what like about what exactly what about meaningful ministry? And I'm not saying that as individuals, we're not doing what we need to do where we are. But remember now, we're the body of Christ mm-hmm. It's a corporate body. And as a corporate body, we have to provide opportunities for us to be engaged in ministry together. And um, Sabbaths should be the culmination of that. It shouldn't be where we just come and sit and whatever. No, um, there's one church I've been to. And I noticed when you're when you're exiting on the wall right above you, there is a big sign, go to serve, go to serve. Yeah. That's the idea. When we're leaving, we're supposed to be going to serve. And we're supposed to be doing that in meaningful ways as individuals and corporately. Now, um, the, 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 the 
what do they call it? The Pareto principle where 80% sit while 20% do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we might see that shift even greater because look at it, for example, um, prior to a lot of churches prior to the pandemic, we're not so tech savvy, but everybody now has to learn that it's, it's a must. You have to have a, you know, yeah. so we're seeing that a lot of our tech people and those individuals are in charge of audiovisual are stretched and stretched because now a greater demand is on them mm -hmm. um which is why as soon as these things ease we have to encourage to build the individuals to come back to church because there's something about corporate worship mm -hmm. and when they come back to church we have to find ways now to equip them ephesians mm -hmm. 4 11 to 13 we have to find ways to equip them to go serve and to do that appropriately because it is not enough to to, to, you know, sit and be fed and not exercise, you know, that which we are learning, that which we are, we're, we're being fed with. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly wish I had the solution to that, but by God's grace, you know, we're going to get it done as a church because we want more individuals to be meaningfully involved in ministry. Mm -hmm. individually and at the corporate level and here's what i know that takes many different shapes sizes and forms but one of the things we're trying to get away from i had one man years ago when i just started ministry tell me point blank listen um there was a situation and things just deteriorated and when we were trying to address it he told me point blank we pay you you need to be here to do this wow and the notion is that the paid worker is the one who is supposed to carry the burden. That's not what the body of Christ is about. There yeah. are functional distinctions, but we all are called to serve in some way, shape, or form. And pastors are supposed to be equipping members and doing so, especially whenever we come together, so that they can go out to serve. The minute we reach a stage where people believe that, okay, I contribute and that's all I need to do. And now you go do the work, you know. And here's one of the things. I, I did my doctoral program at, at Dallas Theological Seminary. And there I noticed something interesting because most of my colleagues were from the Baptist faith or other faiths. And their model is a little different in the sense that they depend on paid workers, not volunteers. It's true. Ah, they yeah. depend on paid yeah, workers. Okay, so okay. When, Yeah. You go to these mega churches and so forth. People, most of the people there who make it happen are actually paid workers. Mm -hmm. Our model is different in the sense that most of our people are volunteers. Yeah. And we're not able in many respects to, you know, based on our model, to pay folk. And there's nothing wrong with the model because in reality, if you are not exercising your God-given talents and giftedness, you are not going to be growing spiritually. Our Christian experience is grounded on the study of the word, prayer, and Christian service. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let me interject. Um, you know, money is a motivator. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you've seen people that would actually do the things they do, showing their Christian gifts compared to the ones that volunteer and show less because it's not being recognized. Mm -hmm. That's my point. I mean, <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. You know, so I'm just saying that that, that motivation, you know, I guess, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, I'm just saying it's just what it works. 
you know. Do you think if the Adventist church went on the model like the Baptist church and we had paid workers, we get more stuff done? Listen, there's a great possibility that is so because once you're paid, you know, I can fire you if you don't produce. <laughs> Remember, so, right? in Florida. <laughs> say, that, say that again. We're in Florida. Florida can do that anytime. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, wow. but managing volunteers is 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 one of the most challenging tasks there is. But the early Adventist church was built on that model. In the early Adventist church, you really didn't have um, resident pastors. Pastors were more itinerant preachers and evangelists. And it was the lay leaders who managed and ran the church and the church grew leaps and bounds. And the primary reason for that is because members owned what was happening in the church and was, and they were heavily involved in that. So as we progressed in the life of the church, there was a shift where now we have paid our resident pastors who sat and oversaw the, 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 the management of the church, etc. But in some respects, that has actually worked against us than for us. Because <laughs> study the Adventist history. The church grew leaps and bounds when um, preachers and pastors were more itinerant um, evangelists or things of that nature. <laughs> and I know in some cases that won't work, the model where there are itinerant preachers or anything like that. But we have to get back to the biblical model where members are owning the responsibility to lead and guide the church and to be involved heavily and not just relying on paid staff. So I notice one of the things I've noticed is that pastors have like one or two churches. And then when you go like to the Caribbean they have four and five, or even <laughs> Eastern Europe, they have four and five churches. Do you think if we had that kind of system where they had more churches, so they can't be there every single Sabbath, that that would work a little better because the because the members now think okay now we have to do something we've got to get together and we got to make this work. Yeah, well, listen, it's a very interesting idea because I pastored in Jamaica for four years and my first district I think I had eight churches. Mm -hmm. Wow, about seventy eight churches. Really, I think two of them were companies. Yeah, wow. and they weren't close. <laughs> and um. We had to rely on our lay leaders. It was our leaders that gave, because I'm telling you, how am I going to, you know, manage that? It is our leaders. We invested in, trained our lay leaders, and they took ownership. So I could rely on an elder, for example, to do the communion service if I couldn't be there or to take care of a funeral service or to just do the communion, you know, all of these things. They led Bible studies. Um any given year, we baptize a lot of people. And trust me, it wasn't because I was some great preacher or excellent evangelist. It's because the lay folk were working. <laughs> so <laughs> it works. Shouldn't it be that way? But it shouldn't be that way. It should be that way. It should be that way. So, um, it, it, and here's what. Here's what. Um, I know the factor there is money. So yeah. in our model right now, depending on how much a church remunerates, you can have your own pastor. So we do have pastors here who have, we, I have one pastor who has about four churches mm -hmm. and he has to depend heavily on his leaders. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because with all of those churches combined, they do not remunerate enough to have their own uh, pastor. Wow. Um, okay. It's still a lot of work. 
It is. Yeah. But you have to really equip and rely on your lay leaders. They are therefore more involved in the process. So I, I don't know if we're, we, that would ever happen because um, churches love to have their old pastor. You know? yeah, they do. <laughs> they rely on that a lot. Yeah, they rely <laughs> on that, yeah. <laughs> Question, I'm going to go back to Peter again. And when, yes. when he realized that his inabilities or should his uh, should I say his human abilities collided with a bigger goal mm -hmm. that God had for I like him. that. I like that. Collided with a bigger goal. I like that. Because that's what it did. It collided. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, fast forward to today, your whole you got a great business, like you said, whatever it could be, it could be finances, whatever. And then you get this call. Hmm. You get this call. How do you explain that in this day and time? Yeah, that's amazing because, again, Jesus meets the brother at his workplace. Peter wasn't idle, and that was one of the things. Didn't bring it out in the sermon, but got to park there for a minute. You'll notice most of those who Jesus called, they were involved, gainfully employed, and were involved yeah. in work. Yes. You know, um, so, and that is, that is very important because Jesus really... The work of God doesn't have place for idlers. God wants to know that folks who are involved are serious about life and about work. But now you have a business, you have business partners, you have mm -hmm. a family that's depending on you. And again, we read the text and we don't see all of that, but think about it. Yeah. They were businessmen. They had ships, <laughs> you know, they own yeah. ships. They have names and John. They were partners. Exactly. Yeah. They were partners. Yeah. So, and they may have had other employer employees, whatever the case is. And you just leave everything. <laughs> the biggest catch ever. Exactly. To follow Jesus, to become fishers of men. I Listen, I've heard of stories like that. And um, that requires another level of faith. And yeah, dependence has to. <laughs> on God. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. It has to. And, but it is all because, you know, as you pointed out, when his way of doing things collided with the divine mm -hmm. and notice what he said i'm a sinful man of god why would he say that he's saying that because there's a peter really didn't think anything was going to come out of this <laughs> because he was and comparing he, himself what he's comparing exactly <laughs> and he <laughs> he's amusing jesus and saying all yeah. right listen you don't know as much as i know and then when he sees it the man says i am sinful mm. i'm sinful so the 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 the, the um, word that we use for that a theophany basically yeah. compares himself with God, realizes who he really is and how sinful, how profound and beautiful God is, and then he's like, you know what? If you can do this, I'll do anything you want me to do. <laughs> and if we all reach that point, and it doesn't mean that all of us have to leave everything because. We do need businessmen and women in the church, you know, because yeah. money is important and all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so all of us are not going to co be called to just drop everything and, you know, uh, say devote ourselves entirely to this. Because once they started following Jesus, they still had expenses and all of these things. Yeah. Now they had to find all the means to supply that, of course. Bible tells us that Judas was a treasurer and they had a bag. Um, he had the bag. In other words, there still was money coming in to benefit the group, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to leave everything, man, that's another level of faith. But it all was because he came to realize who he really was in light of who Jesus is. 
And if Jesus can do that, basically proving to you that your logics doesn't work with God because logic says fish are caught at night. Yeah. God says, I'm not a God of logics. I'm a God of the impossible. Go fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, so carpentry to a preacher to the inevitable. And you're sitting there going, yep. wait a minute, how's that work? But what got me, what you said was really stuck out was he said, he did say depart, but he still held on. Mm. I love that. I love that. Love that. I, 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 I love that. that. Wow. Look at that. And that's the point. He realizes. I mean, can you imagine this brother falls at Jesus? This way, Depart from me. But he's holding on. Yeah. How am I going to get away if you're holding on yeah, to me? Like, Let me go. Not that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, yeah. That, that's so beautiful, man. That is so beautiful. Yeah, I like that part. I like yeah. that part. And that's what it means to have such an encounter with God that drives you to his knees and you identify God. The truth is, I don't deserve. I, I don't. But I'm I'm begging you, please <laughs> don't don't leave me alone, please don't right. let me go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you think stuff. that people nowadays could have that kind of experience? Excellent question. How can we have that kind of experience? You know, I think that still happens, and I find that especially when we do evangelism, and sometimes the problem is this, and I'll be honest. Sometimes those of us who have grown in the church and we have been living you know these um safe and sanitary lifestyles so to speak we don't do bad things or anything like that and you know we have our little sins not that any sin is little or anything like that but we haven't done anything major right but there are some folks who when they they've lived some reckless lives man and um when they realize what god has taken them from I know a few folks like that. They become gone ho for Jesus, man. I mean, they're just all in because they're like, you don't understand what God saved me from. Right. You, you don't understand what God saved me from. If you did, you would just join me in just praising God and just, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we have been so safe in our Christianity and our religion and we don't know anything about what's out there in the world or how, you know, life has dragged some people through the mud and some things they've been through. And when God saves them and when they encounter God, it's like, yeah. And I'm not saying all of us have to go that way. But for those of us who have been in the church all our lives, I believe at some point in time, and I might be wrong, to make it into God's kingdom, you have to have that experience. Mm. Now, the Bible says the wind bloweth where it listeth. And you do not know from whence it come and whence it go. And so is everyone who's converted. So I don't know when it might be for you or for others or for me or whatever it is. But all of us have to reach the point where as we, and, and what that is, let me tell you what that is. It's called self-knowledge, self-knowledge. Mm. Self-knowledge is very important. You see, if you don't know yourself, you know, you're in big problems. So I know myself. Mm. I know myself. I know, for example, that... um. What I love bicycles. Um, I ride long distance riding and these bicycles aren't cheap. Mm -hmm. So I, I just avoid going to the bike store because I'll go there and take out a credit card that I don't need to go pay for a bike that I can't <laughs> afford. You know, self-knowledge is very yeah. important. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, and that knowledge of self comes from mm -hmm. the study of God's word and in intimate communion with him. And as you grow in that self-knowledge, and by the way, as much as Peter had that experience, 
he still had a lot to learn about himself. <laughs> he did. He did. You know, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Oh, I'm not going to do it. You know nothing about that. You exactly. know nothing about that. <laughs> so it is, it's a growing experience, that idea of self-knowledge. Because what Peter's confession identified is that he saw himself self-knowledge. Um, one of the practices I have personally is that each night before I go to bed, I reflect on the day. I'm like, God, show me where I went wrong, what I could do better. Right. How did I fail you or how did I represent you right? I want to know that. Self-knowledge is very important. Mm -hmm. And we have those conversations with God so he can reveal, you know, the blind spots in our lives and the things that we need to improve on and grow it. Because if we don't do that, we won't have that encounter like Peter had. And that's what it really is. What he had ended up having was <laughs> self-knowledge in light yeah. of who Jesus is. And you're not going to get that without the word and without constant communion with God. Amen. So we can have it, whether you are grown up in the church and you've never been out there, or even if you've been out there, God can just reveal himself to you. But as we continue in our Christian experience, self-knowledge is very, very important. Mm. Question for you. Um, you mentioned about competition. Um, mm -hmm. Why do we seem to have that problem in church? It's competition on class, education. The house, even zip code, everything, even zip code. Yep. And, <laughs> I, I don't understand that. Why? Why? I mean, you know, it doesn't... the body of Christ. Why are we all competing? Yeah. Why? You know, yeah. hey, I'm not jealous because you have a baritone voice and mine might be okay. But, you know, <laughs> yes, you are, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is, is that I'm, I'm affirming you. Mm -hmm. Right, but right. Competition with you. I mean, my wife told me the only competition we should have is trying to convert people to Christ. Amen. That would be a great competition, eh? Amazing. Even though that could prove problematic. Could problematic too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I kid you not. Years ago, when I was pastoring, I had a colleague from um South America, and he was telling me. <laughs> so, in some places, like in the Caribbean. Each year, pastors have to make a projection in terms of baptism. Mm, okay. you know, it is expected. Mm. And um, if you don't reach a goal, there are cats who have gone to the cemetery to write down names, you know. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? And why? Because <laughs> who wants to say they haven't met their baptismal goal? <laughs> you know, Ellen White actually says that God's word is cooperation and the devil's mm. word is competition. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, why do we compete? It makes no sense, man. I've learned a long time ago. I've learned a long time ago that, for one, I'm not going to, I think I said it the last time I preached a plantation, I'm not going to spend money I don't have to impress people I don't like on something I can't afford. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing That's it. a waste of time. Yeah, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. <laughs> but I guess it's wow. human nature as a result mm -hmm. of sin. We just have to compete. Um, but the Bible says when we do that, it's foolish. It's very foolish, you know? So we, we have to be mindful of that and be careful. It just don't make no sense. Why, why we compete? We're supposed yeah. to cooperate. And the thing is, um, I had a, a meeting yesterday and I, was, I, <laughs> I shared this with them. Please don't stone me for this. But I read this anecdote some time ago where the internal organs of the body were having a conversation about who's the greatest. So the <laughs> brain said, I'm the greatest. 
I control the entire central nervous system. I do all of these things, blah, blah, blah. And then the heart said, no, I'm the greatest. I pump blood, the life-giving force to all the necessary cells in the body, et cetera, et cetera. The lung said, no, if I don't oxygenate the body, you're dead. I'm the most important. And then colon joined the conversation. Ooh. And colon said, no, 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 I'm the most important. And then everybody stopped and looked at Colin and started laughing like, bro, bro, you, you know what you do? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> and yeah. Colin got upset oh. and Colin tightened at either end. That's right. <laughs> nothing could come in, nothing could go. <laughs> We're not going to stone what, you for that one. What, what? <laughs> What do you think happened to the body? Yeah. <laughs> the body started to be poisoned and everybody, yeah. the heart, the lungs, the brain, everybody come to colon and bow down. Like, oh, colon, you are the most important. You're the most important. Wow. That's the point. Why are we competing? We're all important. Even yeah. if we seem to be the most insignificant or do the wow. dirtiest job, whatever the case is, we're all important. That is funny. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, but God's word is cooperation. Yeah. Of course. You talked a bit about the um the word of God, that it's not cake for special occasions, but it's bread for daily use. Mm -hmm. A little bit on that. Yeah. Um one of the challenges I'm I I I I'm experiencing or I experienced um which kind of prompted me to do my dissertation was that our church is very, and not only church, society is very biblically illiterate. Mm. And um, biblical, Ill biblical illiteracy is a problem, especially for the church. I had two encounters. One was I was at a funeral one day and a young man who grew up in the church, been through Pathfinder, everything, got up to read the Bible, and I honestly, my head was down. I don't know what I was doing, but we expect him to read, and I'm realizing over a minute passed, and he wasn't reading. So I looked up, and then I realized he was there frantically looking for the text and couldn't find the text. And then he asked me, Pastor Mark, where can I find um, this text? And so I helped him, and when I opened it there, there was a card. He had a Bible marker, but somehow we couldn't find it. And here's what. He could be genuinely nervous because it was his grandmother who passed. But mm -hmm. we're facing a level of biblical illiteracy that we haven't seen where people don't even know that the Bible has a index at the front. And if you want to find a, wow. um, a book, you mm -hmm. can use it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one level. Um, at another level, at another level, we, um, I preach a sermon and this was, the sermon is called a first person narrative. At the time I wasn't married and the title of the sermon was testimony of a dumb priest and i began the sermon by saying um what did i say i said i made a statement to the effect that i made a very terrible mistake in ministry and then i said when she told me she was pregnant i literally could not speak and at that time i <laughs> I wasn't married at Miami Temple. Listen, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> Can I imagine? I was about yeah. to say, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then I sighed and I hanged on my head and I went silent. Now, a first person narrative, you assume the, the character that you're it's presenting. You. So I was actually, I assumed the character of um, 
Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. You remember yeah, yeah, that he went dumb? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. this title, yeah, Testimony yeah, yeah. of a Dumb Priest. Yeah. <laughs> and the point of that sermon was, don't ask God for a sign when you have more than enough evidence. Because he was asking, how am I going to have a child? And the angel said, what if you don't believe me, you're going to go dumb. As opposed to Mary, who... Who has ever heard of any virgin being um, conceived, uh, given, uh, having a child without sexual intercourse? Mm -hmm. But you had Abraham, you had Jacob and Rachel, all these people who were barren, who've had kids before, old folk. Right, so right. he had more than enough evidence that God could do that. Yes, Mary yes. had no evidence that there was any woman who'd ever been with child without having sexual intercourse. But Mary believed. Yes. So yes. that was the idea behind the sermon. So when I was done preaching, of course, there was a sigh of relief when they realized exactly what was going on. <laughs> but when I was done preaching and I was at the door, a young man came up to me and he was shaking my hand profusely and like, man, Pastor Marsh, man, I'm so sorry, man. You know, we had the same problem. We tried for how long to get pregnant and we couldn't get pregnant. And we're praying for you, man, that the Lord bless. And I'm standing there and I'm like, did I miss something? <laughs> And I thought he was joking, yeah. but turns out yeah. he is a Christian, but from some other church, doesn't really know me. So he uh -huh. thought I was really talking about me. Uh. He doesn't even know the story of the nativity. And from all indication, based on the response of the majority of the church, they realized that I had assumed the character of Zachariah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I'm trying. And I started to rot my brain. Did I do something wrong? I went back and looked at the sermon. And I'm like, no, you know, it became evident and people were engaging because they understood that I'm really talking about Zachariah. Mm. And I was like, man, people are really biblically illiterate. Yeah, and I because so. of that, we, the, the Bible makes it clear that the word of God, the word of God is what transforms our life. And from the, the Hebrew concept, biblical illiteracy is a very serious thing because remember Moses told them, and the Jews do it today. They wear these things on their foreheads and all of these things because they believe the word. They ha have the idea that biblical literacy is not only a knowledge of scripture, but that knowledge leads to transformation. That's mm -hmm. what biblical literacy is from the perspective of the Hebrew thinking. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if we don't even know it, how are we going to be transformed? That's true. And I'm not talking about a knowledge that leads to a pharisaical way of, you know, a, right. a, a, a doing it. No, because mm -hmm. that's one other extreme. You have the extreme of not knowing it. You have the extreme of thinking that you know it so much that you're better than everybody when all you have is just head knowledge. But from the perspective of the Bible, biblical literacy is a knowledge that leads to transformation, which yes. is why Paul tells you that the word of God is quick and powerful. And I think... You know what's amazing? In this pandemic, you'd be surprised to know. You would think, as I think I mentioned the sermon, that people would spend more time in the Word or stuff like that. It's not. We just see the Bible as cake for special occasion. But it is for daily bread. We yes. can't be experiencing transformation if we are not daily being experiencing the Word. And let me tell you something. I know it's not easy in the business of life. Nobody told me, for example, that when you had a child, man, that, that changes everything. I'm like, <laughs> Lord, help me, Jesus. I mean, you know, but I'm learning that I, I, I teach her. So I, 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 as I read to her, I read the word of God to her. And she's now learning scripture and, and so on and so forth. So you have to find ways and time and means to make sure that we're spending time in and with the word 
for the necessary transformation. Amen for that. Smartphones are um, a problem too because we don't have physical Bibles. We tend to rely on our smartphone. There you go. There you go. And um, yeah, yeah, let's face it. It's interesting. Um, and I'm not faulting anyone for this, but um, as a kid, when I was going to church, I walked with my Bible. Our kids don't walk with Bibles no more. They'll tell us on the phone, but we know. I've seen it a lot of times. Listen, I'm preaching, and you know what kids are doing? They're fact-checking me. <laughs> they're not following along the Bible. But I'm glad they're fact-checking me because it means you're listening. Yes. I kid you not. They're, they're Googling to see, oh, where did you get that from? Oh, I kid mm-hmm. you not. <laughs> yeah, they are checking. Um, I know what... Um, I, I, I want to thank you very much for the, the 300 pound story was funny. I even lost weight listening to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that was funny. I like that. But what got me was the heartfelt story of the materialistic father. Mm. That really was powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I wouldn't have went to the point of committing suicide, but man, just what the boy wanted to do for us, you know, and where his where his where his I guess his priority lies, and it didn't lie with the devil. Yeah, that was heart wrenching, and that's so, what the devil wants of us in it. Because the truth is, when we come to realize who we are in light of Jesus, is we always have two options. And I think we brought this out in the Sabbath school lesson as well. We can allow that guilt to destroy yeah. us, or yeah. we can experience godly repentance that deals with that guilt. I read yeah. a story the other day of a woman who was in her eighties. And after hearing a sermon, she came and cried and confessed to the pastor. She got married years before in her 20s and they got pregnant. And the husband said, "Um, you got to get rid of the child. I don't want a child. Mm. She was like, huh? So she thought he was joking. And he's like, you're going to make a choice. It's either me or it. Wow. And she loved him so much that she said, you know what? I'm I'm going to do what he says. So she come in, she, she had an abortion and then. She lived with that guilt for years. In her 80s, she couldn't get rid of that guilt. And the pastor wow. was, help, was able to help her get through that. But guilt, man, is, will, will, will literally suck the life out of you if yeah. not given to God. If not, and yes. Yeah, if not given to God. We have to remember that God has provided a way that he can take away our guilt because guilt is always linked to sin or some offense. So if we give him our sins, and appropriately give him more guilt, he will help us to deal with that. So there's always the option of running away from Jesus and bearing the burden of our guilt. Or like Peter, yes, Lord, go away, but I'm holding on to you. In yeah. other words, yeah. I, I can't do this without you. I need you. I need you. Mm. So what motivates us? How do we change the motivation within our church to motivate to want to serve? Amen. Amen. And I, 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 I think that's the crux of the matter because I've learned that um, unless you want it, you won't get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we can coerce people into doing stuff. We can guilt people into doing stuff, but that will work for a while. Yeah. But not until each individual has had that personal encounter with God mm-hmm. will they go all the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So that's one of the that's one of the, um, the, 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 the notions in which I operate, that I'm going to do my best to motivate and to equip people. But I understand that I can't change anyone's heart or way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I just have to pray and hope that at some point in time, 
Each one of us will have that encounter with God that will motivate us to do and to be involved in ministry the way he wants us to. Because other than that, we really can't change anyone. Each of us have to have that encounter with God. And when we have that encounter with God, man, I promise you, Isaiah, listen, Isaiah said, woe is me. But then he said, here am I, send me, Lord. Yes, Peter yes. said the same thing. And mm -hmm. you read Bible over and over, you find it until we have that experience with God. And so that's what I'm not going to, I don't fuss with church members or folks if they don't want to get involved. I just pray because I can't change anyone's heart. And I no. can't insist that they do this. It won't work. It will work for a while. And then that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Mm. Well, Don, um, I'm done. I got what I need. As you know how I am. Okay. But um, I wanted to thank you, Pastor Gervon, or should I say oh. slash baritone, um, <laughs> <laughs> that um, your message was insightful yesterday. I, I, I took a lot from that. You know, the motivation is what we need. And, you know, this pandemic has really made us less motivational, you know. Yeah. And I've seen that, you know, because everybody's, okay, let's go online and watch the service. I don't need to show up. And it's good to us to show together because, you know, we can't take the brethren uh, of, of gathering together. Um, that's pretty much it I have, Don. What about you? No, I'm good. I'm finished. Oh. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Any birthdays, Don? I do have birthdays. You want to do the prayer first and then we go into Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to see because I didn't see if we had any birthdays, but I wanted to make sure it was good. Well, Pastor, if you don't mind, uh, we will appreciate you if you just have the word of prayer. Sure, let's pray together. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for the time we've spent together just reflecting on your word. Our desire is to serve you with all our hearts. Mm -hmm. And we ask that those who will listen they will be blessed by this podcast and come to understand that all of us need to have that personal encounter with you that will motivate us to serve you with all our hearts. Uh, we are so grateful for this medium to bless our hosts and continue to use them to be a blessing to the church and to all those who listen. We're confident, God, that when you come, yes. as long as we have committed ourselves entirely to you, We'll have the privilege of hearing those words, well done, good, faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. May this be true for us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And once again, thank you, uh, Pastor. I hope you have a blessed week with your family. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you in the coming weeks, months, back to the plantation mm -hmm. and hear from you. So you have a blessed week. Thank you. Same to you. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, Don, um, boy. Let me say that part. Let me thank all our listeners once again. Any questions, comments, concerns, please uh, text us via WhatsApp, 954-388-8780, and on to the birthdays. All right. So we have, I have one before um, Cassandra's, which was Yvette Boatwright, her birthday okay. tomorrow, actually, on June 28th. And then we have Paul Jean-Marie, who's June 29th, and Yannick. Yannick. Okay. That's a good to go. Good to go. Got to give him a shout out right quick. Um, I also just want us to continue to keep the South Side victims in our hearts. Uh, I got news or reading from the news that it's now nine bodies. Yeah. Um, and they're also finding remains. Yeah, they will too. Yeah. And I mean, it's, 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 they still have hope. That's one thing. 
that this uh, well-to-do Jewish community, they do have hope. And they, um, they're still saying it's a, a search and recovery, but it, I mean, search and rescue, but now it seems to be turning into a recovery. So we just want to keep them in our prayers. That's all we want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I hope everybody have a blessed week and thank you for listening. God bless. Mm-hmm.